Hello, this is the Creative Writing Life Podcast, and today we have a special guest, Brian Drake. But before we jump into that, uh, I'm Justin Sloan. I am P.T. Hilton. And hi there, everybody. I'm Paul Zeidman. Hello, hello. Uh, I'm working on my hellos being a little less uh, intense lately. I feel bad now that I called you out last week because you seem, uh, you've over, you're overcorrecting. I'm going to be super depressed next week. I'm going to work on like saying hello differently every week from now on. That'll be my, I'll probably forget about that. But if I was cool, that'd be my goal. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Brian, how's it going? Hi, good afternoon. It's going very well. Thanks awesome. for having me on. We'll give you a proper intro in a second here, but what we always do first is we always just say a quick thing of like what we're watching or listening to or reading or, or things like that. So anybody, I'll jump in first. I'm listening to audiobook, The Pharaoh's Secret by Clive Cussler, and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. I always have hard times with like certain kind of books that jump around from point of view to point of view, point of view, because uh, I just, I don't know who to follow. And especially audiobooks, I'm always, I always like tune out for a second and then I'm back and I'm like, wait, who am I with right now? I have no idea, but I'm liking this. Story. <laughs> so that's what I'm listening to. What about you guys? I am also or just finished listening to an audiobook. It's called My Lovely Wife by Samantha Downing. And it's a story of kind of like a, a uh, husband and wife serial killer team. And it's told from the point of view of the husband. It's good. I liked it. Yeah, the end, the easy. ending, without spoiling anything, <laughs> the ending was a little where I was like, all right, I'm not sure. <laughs> we, may have, we may have got a bridge too far here. But but uh, yeah. but overall, it was, it was really, uh, it was a fun little thriller that sounds cool uh i just uh, mine's a two-parter i just finished reading a friend's script um i won't give the title but he has a great pitch for it he describes it as john wick meets lord of the rings so nice so wow. it, it's the, the thing is it's a very fast read it's also very short it's only like 97 pages but some of those pages are like you know two words on a page so i i'm you know one of my notes to him is this could be maybe like three to four pages longer just to to uh, not that it would slow. I don't think it would slow the story down, but there's a few scenes that could just use a little more detail, a little more information. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And in terms of watching stuff, uh, we were going to watch Parasite, but I ended up watching Toy Story 4 instead. <laughs> Total opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, when I first heard about it, didn't think it was a necessary thing, but you know, it was a fun movie. I can see why they made it. Uh, don't know if they have to do a Toy Story 5, but wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they did. Yeah, why not? <laughs> And Brian, do you have anything you want to share with us on that front? Watching, reading, listening? We caught you off guard here. No, no, it's fine. Uh, listening, I discovered a new heavy metal band from Greece called Sad Dolls, so I'm listening to them. Um, very dark metal stuff, um, very good. And then reading, I'm going through an old Mickey Spillane mystery that I haven't read. It's like the one book of his I haven't finished, so uh -huh. I'm about halfway through that. Do you listen to music when writing, and do you listen to that band while writing? Oh no! Usually, usually when I'm typing, it's pretty quiet. Um, so no, I don't have a lot of noise on. Okay. But I, if I'm, I'm mostly I'm listening to this stuff while I'm at work and annoying my colleagues with it because I play it <laughs> over and over again. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the no, when I need when music I'm, for sure. Yeah, when I'm typing, I'm usually usually outside on the porch, so I have a lot of neighborhood sounds and and stuff like that. It's uh seems to work good for me. And where do you live in San Francisco area? I'm in Livermore, actually. Okay, so just trying to get an I'm idea out, of what outside yeah. sounds like, you know. About 40, 40 <laughs> miles east. It's it's a suburbs. It's very quiet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Where we are now, it's like it's quiet sometimes, but there's a bunch of freeways around. So like sometimes you go out there, and it's just like the sound of freeways, which is because right. it's down the hill, so the travel the sound travels up. Um, anyway, 
Yeah, so let's give our listeners an introduction to you. Uh, will you just give us like a quick spiel of who you are and what you're writing? Okay, well, I'm Brian Drake. I write some uh, spy novels for a publisher called Wolfpack. They're out of Las Vegas. Um, everything I've done so far has kind of been in the James Bond, Jack Bauer style of adventure story, and it's what I grew up reading and what I like to write, and so far it's uh, been relatively successful. Awesome. Pretty cool. What got so, you into writing in the first place? Oh, I've been, I was writing for ever. Um, but when I was younger, I, I started out writing my own comic books, just, you know, tracing pictures of whatever Star Trek comic I was reading. I would trace the pictures and do my own story with those. And then uh, it kind of became a tradition for my father and I to go watch the James Bond movies when they came out in the 80s. And when I discovered those were based on books, I went to get the books started reading those and then was like well forget comic books i'm going to write books like this <laughs> and i was 14 and it just it you know it's <laughs> it's been the one thing in my life i've stuck to everything else i've you know given up on <laughs> paul you're going to jump in yeah i was going to say so you know you you explain like how you got into that so now how many books have you uh, written boy um there's published and unpublished. I think I have. I got to go to Amazon because I don't. <laughs> you know, that's the only way to keep track of these things now. Wow. I, you know, it's like you do so many things, and you know, it's like a shark doesn't remember its last meal. It's just looking at its next. <laughs> and that's pretty much where I'm at, where I don't keep track anymore. I feel uh, you there. So eight books. Eight books in one series, three books in another that I was co-writing with somebody. So there's 11. Um, one collection of short stories, there's 12. And then there are five other books that were published and then unpublished after the lawsuit, and now we're going to publish them again. So I've already lost track of the numbers. So, <laughs> but that's okay. Let's let's double uh, back that, to that. Let's double back to that word lawsuit. So now when okay. I met, so when I met Brian. Uh, he was a writer. Now, I want to say you started self-publishing, and then you signed with a publisher, and then something went wrong with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, st I started self-publishing around 2010 when that was becoming popular, and and I thought that maybe this is a way to get a publisher's attention and, and take things further, and that's exactly what happened. I met an editor at a conference. We got to be drinking buddies for the weekend, and you know, he said, hey, you're, what are you writing? I said, these silly spy novels, and he says, oh, we'd like to have those. So I signed five books over to them, and they had very good intentions, but a lousy business plan, and no idea what to do when the original plan started to fall apart. So the first thing that happened was they stopped talking to me and all the other authors. We stopped getting updates. We stopped getting sales reports. You know, they just disappeared. And several email exchanges later about how things are going to be fine. We're working on this, that, and the other. It's okay, but you still owe me these, these sales reports, and you probably owe me some money. And nothing. So at that point, I had no choice after a year. Uh, I... I Got plugged in with an attorney in Sherman Oaks who does a lot of work for writers and studios specifically, but in screenwriters and uh, novelists now and then. And he sent them a couple of demand letters and, you know, you're not following through on the contract you signed. Contracts go both ways. Give the rights back. And they said, okay, here's the rights and get our 
they're releasing Mr. Drake from his contract. So, okay, so okay, so they sent they sent the letter, and what happened after that? Well, we gave him a week deadline to respond or get the next letter, which you know, there was supposed to be three letters, and each one was supposed to be more aggressive, and the last one was to present the official lawsuit. Uh, but it only took one letter, and they, they just put up their hands and said, okay, never mind, here's everything back. Um, they took the books off of Amazon, and they, uh, honestly, they'll pay me what they owe me by the end of January. I don't know if I'll see it or not. Let's see. Hmm. So, okay, so okay, so you got the rights back. Now, I, from what I understand, you have uh, since signed with another publisher. Now, how did that come about, and how has it worked out for you? Well, that publisher's been much better. Uh, they publish on time, they pay on time, and yeah, they've been great so far. Um, what happened was they made a deal with an author for a series, and they wanted to bring on co-writers to help write a whole bunch of books for it. And I got hired for that along with another guy, so it was the three of us that were doing this one series called Team Reaper. The original writer, his name is Brent Towns, he's in Australia. And so together we kind of hammered this, these books out. And then halfway through that project, I said, hey, I've got this other series, a second series, not the one that was tied up. And would you like to go with this? So they read a couple of them and said, yeah, we'll take, I, I had four. I had four ready to go. So they said, we'll take those four and we want you to do four more. So eight total. And I think we did that last year. And now we're, uh, we're working on books nine and 10 i think <laughs> nice nice yeah it's been it's 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 been going very well the uh, i've been very pleased and very grateful and very surprised <laughs> nice okay. so, so that kind of kind of leads to the question of so with with a series that long have what what do you do to kind of keep it fresh and to keep giving the readers of the series what they want um is it a challenge to, to keep going after so many books or how do you how do you handle all that? Um, no, I agree. It, it, uh, it can get to be a challenge. And what I don't want to do is just write the same book over and over again. So for the first four books, like the first three make one arc. And then I guess four, five, and six would be the next arc. And then by seven and eight, it's now taken another turn. So every few books, it changes up a little bit. So there's always something new for the uh, protagonist to have to go through and adapt to and and so far that keeps keeps it interesting for me and readers seem to like it too nice would, would, go ahead i was just gonna say that's a that's a smart smart way to do it to approach it kind of having little little uh, mini arcs within the series i like that yeah it, it's because i don't want to write a character that stays the same all the time i'd like to see him grow and change and this seems to be a good way of doing it just to throw him different things he has to react to and, and and some choices are better than others i mean the the arc for the first three books i thought would carry through longer than the next three but it some things weren't quite working out the way i wanted to wanted them to so i decided to bail out of it and changed it by book seven nice see how long it goes before i do the next change but, yeah i was gonna say so with with thrillers uh do you find that you tend to go for certain sources for story inspiration, like such as news or interviews with people who have thoughts on these things, or is it all kind of just something that you just think of? 
It's a little bit of both. I mean, there's always a what if scenario, you know, that I think all writers go through. And then just watching the news and reading history, uh, not, you know, uh, political history, military history, stuff like that. There's always nuggets that you might pull out that, you know, gee, if I take this event or this something this person said and apply it to a modern context, I can put a whole new story behind it. Yeah, that's so smart. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. It's not it's not hard to come up with an idea. It is hard to come up with 300 pages worth of an idea. <laughs> right. That's where all the fun character interactions come through. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we were talking about before about uh, movie rights. And I'm curious how, when you're working with these publishers, are you able to keep the movie rights yourself or how has that worked out so far? Well, there's a split. I think I'd have to check my new contract. I'm not sure what it is, but with the, the publisher I had to sue, I think it was 75% me and then 25 to them or whatever the equivalent is or the rest of it. Um, I think with the new outfit, it's like 80% me, something like that, or maybe 90. I mean, but yeah, it, it's, um, I, I haven't, I've never had to argue about them because they always seem to go in my favor. Mm. And... You know, I mean, I just take whatever's in the contract and go. I mean, it's it's not one of the things that you really negotiate. It just kind of is what it is. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so if you wanted to sell the rights yourself or, you know, write the screenplay yourself and get it sold, you'd have to go through them, though, and probably get some kind of authorization, yeah, right? Well, if – you know what? I don't know because we haven't – we've never done that before. I would assume if I went and got them myself, I would at least have to give them their cut. If right, right. got them, then the split would – stay the same yeah i would think some traditional publishers especially the big ones wouldn't want you to go do it yourself or you know set up your own deals or whatever unless it's an amazing deal <laughs> i feel like a lot of them want to hold on to that in the hopes that they'll get something big out of it you know but uh but kind of on that note uh so with your books in specifics uh i don't know if you've ever adapted anything but just thinking about how movies work and whatnot uh do you think yours would translate pretty much scene for scene or how do you think you would have to change to work that way uh, they'd be okay scene for scene, I guess, because I do write pretty cinematically. I do like a lot of the, you know, start late, end early, you know, kind of things. Uh, I try to keep the plot beats and everything where they should be, but acceptable for a novel where if you write a screenplay and you need your first beat at, or plot points at page five, for me it's probably going to be page 40. Um, but I think they would translate okay. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> but thrillers, I feel like thrillers are definitely the easiest. Like this one I'm listening to right now that I mentioned, the Clive Cussler one, it's very much written like a movie, which is why it's hard for me as a reader to to digest it because it's not following a character through all these scenes. It's more focused on the scenes and the plot versus the character, uh, which, which works sometimes. Um, well, first of all, I'm curious. Is that one being written by Cussler or is that one of his co-writers? I think it's a co-writer. Uh, <laughs> let me see here. It says Clive Cussler really big, and then it says and Graham Brown. So, <laughs> so Mr. Brown wrote the book, and and Cussler cashed the check. Is how that works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how his real the ones that are just him are written. Maybe I should try one of those next and see if it's yeah, the I, same. I liked, I liked Cussler a lot when I was in high school. I, that's when I when I read him the most. Uh, try my favorite of his was called Dragon. Late to mid 90s 
Uh, very good. And, and I'm sorry, I forgot what your question was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But on that note, what are some of your favorite thrillers out there that you've drawn inspiration from maybe or just liked? Well, Ian Fleming is, of course, the big you know, grandfather of everything. Uh, I like uh, John Gardner as well, who was another British writer. Uh, Gerard de Villiers was a French writer who wrote a series of books that were very good. Uh, Frederick Forsyth is another one. I, I mean, I like the writers that go into a lot of detail, a lot of technical detail about things. Uh-huh. And tend to try to give you a story that has realistic grounding to it, but is still a little fantastical, too. Okay. Actually, I had a question about, like, I guess you, what we call it, your writing process. So when you start a new story, do you already know what the ending is? and Or do you like, okay, here's where I want to start. This is where I have to go. And do you just kind of like, okay, what's the most interesting take? Or what are some, like, you know, crazy turns I can take along the way to get to this ending? I mean, what's how do you put a story together is what it comes down to. I try to come up with a lot of set pieces and stuff ahead of time. So say if I want to have a gunfight at the Eiffel Tower and someone parachutes off the top. This happened in one of the Bond movies. I'm going to you know, have that in mind, and then I'm going to write to that. Um, usually the ending doesn't come up right away. I mean, I, I outline everything thoroughly to put all of those elements that I've thought of beforehand and all the stuff I think of afterwards. I mean, I, I want to have it all organized. Uh, the outlines can go as long as 20 pages sometimes. And in the end, I've hopefully worked out all of the big parts of the story and how the plot develops and all that. And then I could uh, just bang out the manuscript in, you know, two months. You know, it's my publisher has this on 90 day deadlines for things. So you don't have a lot of time to rewrite and make changes and get things right. It pretty much has to be right the first time. So it's a thorough outline, a lot of research in the outline then just uh, a lot of frantic typing and and yeah i like to try to get the ending right before i type it i usually don't have it in mind at first um there are other things i'll have in mind like specific set pieces or locations or things i want to take the characters to or uh, you know find some way to write off on taxes (laughs) (laughs) nice Uh, so kind of kind of along those lines i i was um looking at some of the um, reviews and things that readers have said in it. One thing that seems like they always call out is your great action scenes. So I'm wondering if you have any tips for for the writers out there on um, writing a great action scene. Well, it, it should be you should it, it it should be clear. Really, I think I think that's the only advice that I could give is that it has to you have to know what's going on. There has to be some stakes involved. There have to there has to be zero. You know, you know, it's basically he's up a tree and you're throwing rocks at him, and somehow at the end of the scene, he throws the rocks back. You know, it has to, you have to, it can't be easy, it has to be difficult for the protagonist, and it, it just has to be very clear what's going on so people can picture it in their heads. I think that's what they mean, is that it's, they like them because they can picture them clearly. Because I've never been in combats, I have no idea, I've, I've been in one or two fist fights. I mean, I don't know what it's like. <laughs> to describe it in such a way that people respond to it. On that note, how do you do your uh, your research for these? Uh, not just the action scenes, of course, but for all of it. Well, I, I like to base things on where I've been. Of course, after eight books, I've kind of used that all up. <laughs> so lately, you know, Google is great. I just zoom in on a place I think might be interesting and look at all the pictures. <laughs> yeah. 
There's a lot of tours. Where have you been? Where's some interesting spots that you've included in your books? Let's see, Seattle. I had a book, the, um, did a book called The Petrova Betrayal, set there. Uh, my first and the second books in the Stiletto series take place in San Francisco. No, I'm sorry. One in San Francisco, the other one's in Berkeley. I blew up part of Berkeley. Um, <laughs> book three required a lot of research on Moscow because it took place there, so I was doing a lot of reading and watching tourist videos and, and travel shows, things like that. There too. And... Uh, See, the latest one also takes a place a little bit in, in San Francisco and Marin, and and then Greece, which I had to read on. So I, you know, I, I, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I mean, it's a, it's a mix sure. of where I've been, and, but I need to look up. I, I have Montana that I've used and others. That's where I'm from. So I like to put gunfights in the old hometown and you know, <laughs> maybe blow up a landmark or two. Nice, nice. Okay, so a lot of your stuff is kind of like, you know, like you said, the spy thriller. Is that this kind of stuff you want to keep writing, or are there any genres that you kind of want to expand into or maybe uh, take a stab at? Um, I've been threatening to do science fiction for quite some time. <laughs> I, I, I am not one of the fans of the Disney Star Wars trilogy, so right away I'm thinking, you know what, if they did it instead of what they did do, they should have done it like this. And too many conversations of like this has become three pages of notes that uh, <laughs> eventually I'll do my own uh, sci-fi trilogy. Um, I have written romance, which is actually fun to write and <laughs> put money on it. So, I mean, thrillers are the bread and butter right now, but I mean, I've done westerns. Um, so, I mean, if, if spy stories stop selling tomorrow, I'll just switch to romance and western and sci-fi. So... <laughs> So you uh, you should be able to do that, I think. Yeah, it's funny when uh, there's some groups out there that criticize other authors for genre hopping, and it's like, how do you only want to write in one genre? That doesn't yeah, make well, sense I, to me. I understand some of that because people get used to a person producing one kind of work. Right. So they're used to Stephen King producing horror. If he suddenly did romance or mystery, they might be confused. And... In the past, publishers have solved that by giving an author a different name. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could do that, but you know, if you've built up a following under one name to suddenly change it, then you need to build up a whole new following. Ooh. So I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what the answer is. If it were me, I would just put out whatever I wanted, and then have, you know, if I have to explain to the audience what I'm doing, then you know, I have a website for that, and they can take it or leave it. Awesome. Uh, okay, and I'll, this is this will be my last question because I know we're a little pressed for time. So you know, I know I know Brian for many years, and uh, our quotes unquote day job uh, takes up a good chunk of the day. So I mean, I work a different part of the day that Brian does. So you know, when do you find time to write? I mean, sometimes I can get in a little work here and there at, uh, during my shift. Do you do that? You know, during when you're there, or do you like do you save it for when you get home or before you come in in the morning? Um, most of it in the morning before I leave, and then usually not any time at night, because as soon as I sit on the couch at night, the cat jumps on my lap, and that's, <laughs> that's the end of that. Um, so no, a little bit in the morning, and then, yeah, throughout the day, I'll try to type a few pages. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate that we, you know, 
have a job that allows that. So it, um, you know, you just, I just make use of the time that's available. So it, it seems to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think we're getting toward the end of our time. So uh, is there any last words of advice you want to leave for either uh, readers looking to get into the genre or potential writers looking to learn how to write? Uh, yeah, don't quit. I mean, I'm only, I've only reached the level I'm at because I didn't quit. Um, there were times where I wanted to. Uh, but I, it's just been this obsession that I've had since I was young, and eventually someone had to pay attention to me. So I mean, <laughs> if you're struggling with it, just don't stop. Eventually they'll notice you. There you go. And where can readers find you uh, and, of course, your work? Uh, my website is briandrakebooks.com. There you go. And do you, cool. Amaz- you have an Amazon page? Uh, yeah, if you just type my name into Amazon, it'll turn up. I don't, I don't know if it's a specific address right how about others are you wide or are you specific to amazon exclusive uh, to amazon my, my publisher is exclusive with amazon right now because we, we take advantage of the kindle unlimited rental sweet that's where we make most of our money actually yeah a lot of us do well i think i'm at 50 percent ish but yeah it's definitely a money maker <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming on the show brian thanks for having me it was good talking with you yeah thanks, and everybody brian listening out there thank you for joining us too if you want to leave reviews or give us virtual high fives please do uh you can find me at uh justin m sloan on twitter or my books on amazon i'm pt hilton you can find me uh at pt hilton on twitter or on amazon and i'm curious how they give us a virtual high five i just mentally think it i think (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. Just be ready. Just be ready for it when you open up your computer. That's all you need. Uh, and I am I am Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, maximumz.blog, and follow me on Twitter at maximum underscore z. Thanks for listening to the Creative Writing Life podcast. Uh, and everybody, go write something. <laughs> <laughs>